Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Dollar, dollar. Dollar, dollar. Ching, ching, bling, bling. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots Podcast presented by Whole Nine Sports. I am your host, Mike Hernishan. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Spencer WNS. Joined as always by my friend Devin Jackson. How you doing tonight, buddy? Pretty good, man. Had a, a pretty good weekend of college football, uh, and especially in the Big Ten. You know, had some surprise games, of course, as we always do, and you know, has some unique performances and uh, someone who helped their draft stock. So uh, it's always a you know a good week when you know we don't have to. Talk about. Never mind. We do. Just kidding. We do have to talk about Northwestern and Maryland and Rutgers. But you know, it's always a good week when you know teams have an upset and we have some change in the power rankings and you know players stepping up. You know, it's really starting to get down to the wire. And these these are the games you live for as a college football player. I mean. Got a, a huge game that has playoff implications all over it. Uh, next week is going to be the same way, too. So it's going it's going to be a fun next two weeks. Yeah, for sure, man. But uh, before we get into any of that, uh, you know, if you stick around to the end of the podcast, we have an interview. Uh, Devin got one of my personal favorite uh, draft Twitter scouts, uh, uh, Malik Obi. Uh, so definitely stick around for that. Can't wait to hear that. Um, but... You know, Devin, I, I got a juicy one for the for the weekly rant. I told you about this a couple minutes before we uh, we went on air, but so a couple of us from Whole Nine Sports are going to be in Mobile, Alabama, for the Senior Bowl in January. And you know, booking travel plans is not exactly the easiest. But you know what makes travel really really hard, Devin? What? When you try to like plan it so that you can get a couple of days of reprieve, so you're not just down there for football, you can take some time to relax, go land in your hometown in New Orleans, and spend some time there before heading down to Mobile, and the flight path it wants me to take to New Orleans, and why I ultimately just said screw it and no, sorry Devin, next year I guess I'm going to have to check out New Orleans, is because it decided that the best route for me was to go from Toronto, where I am, fly all the way out to LAX, have a 15-hour layover, and then fly back to New Orleans. All in all, this would take me 27 and a half hours to get there. What the hell? Or, I can take a flight from Toronto, land in Charlotte, wait for an hour and a half, and then hop a plane to Mobile, Alabama, and be there total in five and a half hours. What the actual fuck? Does that make sense to you at all? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it is very. I have a very similar story, um, and... I actually had to endure it. So in April, um, I went with some friends um, to Padre Island in Texas. 
So uh, I went and stayed in St. Louis for like the day or a couple days. And then uh, we all flew together down to Texas. So my original flight, I was supposed to get to like Texas by one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you know, go from like St. Louis to I think Houston and then Houston to uh, I can't remember the city in like South Texas, but uh, you know, and then get down there and then it's like an hour drive to Padre or whatever. So the flight's like super early morning. It's like 6 a.m. Uh, like a 6 a.m. flight. So, you know, we wake up at like 3.30, 4 o'clock um, and then we got this notification on our phone and it said that our flight has been canceled because there's supposed to be like this storm coming through Houston. Um, so we had to pick a new flight. And the only option for the flight was to fly like later in the day. It's like 10 or 11. Fly from St. Louis to New York. (laughs) And have a layover in New York and then fly from New York to Houston. Well, to to New York, to Dallas, and then to our final destination. Mind you. The New York flight is a couple hours, so it, it was like a three-hour flight from New York to like Dallas or something like that, like two and a half. And we had to fly back over St. Louis to get to Dallas, <laughs> mind you. And then we got to uh, like South Texas at like eleven o'clock, eleven thirty at night, and they had like no transportation like available, so we had to wait thirty minutes for transportation to get to Padre Island. And then it finally got there. And then we finally got to our place at like almost one in the morning. So we spent all, like 12 hours flying because our flight got canceled and they want us to go to New York to get I got to Dallas. One. I got one. It's not a flight based, but uh, a couple years ago, going on vacation, you know, T- Toronto's major airport sucks. All right. I'm just going to say that it sucks and it changes on a yearly basis. So it sucks in a different way every time you go. <laughs> so we we had a flight at like 11 o'clock so you know they you know got to be there three hours before your flight so we're there like eight in the morning our flight's 11 o'clock as soon as we get through like you know baggage check thing on our thing yeah the 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 thing on the sign our flight has been delayed seven hours mm. now there's like nothing to do on the other end of the toronto airport you're basically just sitting there. You can get up and walk around for a bit, but like it's not really going to help. You're just kind of sitting there hoping to God that it's going to come soon. I got I ran through every podcast I had. I downloaded new podcasts, ran through all of those. I look up again after like three, four hours. My flight has been pushed back again. It's now at 11 hours. Oh, my God. It's not supposed to be there till 10 p.m. now. And the company we were flying with was providing us with nothing. They actually just, like, we, we can't really find where the plane is. You, you lost the plane? <laughs> you, you've lost the plane. Okay. I'm t- angrily tweeting, trying to save my phone battery at the company. Like, hey, like, what the hell? I want, like, some form of, like, can someone find out where my plane is? Long story short, my flight didn't, my plane did not come in until 
four o'clock in the morning. Oh god, no. Yeah. I didn't land in the Caribbean till like eight. <laughs> I lost basically a full day. And it wasn't until I got back that I heard from the company, we're taking a look at where your flight, uh, where, you know, what's going on with your flight details. Please hold with us. <laughs> on the plane there, they're like, we apologize for the inconvenience. Here's $50 off of food vouchers for your next flight with us. <laughs> I've never I, traveled with that airline since. Not even you know what made it flight. even worse is, is that while we were in the airport... It was a game in which the Raptors in the playoffs were getting just stomped by uh, by LeBron. He won by literally just kind of flicking it on a floater off the glass. Oh, like, yeah. The Dwayne, yeah, that got Dwayne Casey fired. But, you know, then we got Kawhi and won a championship. So, like, you know, that did not make up for the fact a year later. Uh, that, that did not make up for the fact that uh, my, my flight got delayed like 17 hours. Yeah, well, I, I reached out to – because it was Southwest that did that to me. And, like, I sent this long, like, message to them, like, on Twitter because, you know, they're active on Twitter or whatever. And they basically told me, Oops. Uh, tough, <laughs> tough luck. <laughs> I was like, well, first of all, they don't even have chargers on their plane, like, phone oh, no. chargers. So we had literally, whenever we were in the airport, we had to charge our phones and pray that it didn't die. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it was that sounds a, like airlines. It was a nightmare, but yeah, I, I had enough. <laughs> I had enough talking about terrible airlines. Uh, so let's quickly run through uh, some of the news. Uh, Scott Frost signed a two-year extension. Uh, I said this on Saturday that you know the six, the results haven't been there yet, but I do think that this team has shown progress and uh, and promise. You know, he's extended now to 2026. I think by 2026, really by 2023, we'll know if this is a good move or not. So, or he's um, getting a huge buyout. <laughs> or he's getting, yeah, exactly. Or he's getting, a, Scott Frost is getting paid regardless. Um, but I got a question for you. What to make of, uh, of sorry, of Michigan Stadium uh, already hyping up the game in two weeks? They've had a countdown at home for. The Ohio State game. They, they, they play this week, and it's not against Ohio State. Uh, I, it's very dangerous because uh, they're playing Indiana. And Indiana is a pretty good team. You know, you you look ahead of Indiana, and you're sitting there, and you're, all the luster is lost to that game. It, this, could exact, this could be a uh, Illinois against Wisconsin type of game if they don't take Indiana serious enough, you know? Yeah, it's going to get dangerous for them. Because uh, th- this is the most potent passing attack in the Big Ten. Uh, this is the best passing team in the Big Ten. And uh, Indiana showed again that they are potent passing the ball, you know, on offense. And Michigan, last couple weeks, they really haven't been tested, uh, you know, in terms of passing. You know, they they really haven't been testing quite some time passing, the, like, a team that can pass the ball. Um so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, like I said, the the game is, is going to really determine Michigan's season. But uh, Indiana, uh, Indiana loss would absolutely kill them. And we're here again talking about a 9-10 win team, 10 win Michigan team. They could get to 11 wins uh, with a win, and then uh, I assume they'll lose to Ohio State. Well, uh, never mind. It'll be another 10 win season. 
Uh, but it could be in jeopardy if they lose to Indiana. So they, they better not be looking over Indiana because they could very well come out and, and punch them in the mouth. Yeah, for sure, man. So um, let's get into these uh, reviews quickly. So uh, the one I was watching very closely on the weekend was Indiana and Penn State. This game was just really fun. Uh, but the big takeaway from this was the injuries. It kind of marred the game a bit. K.J. Hamler went out, I believe, in the second quarter. Um, Watt Fillier got hurt in the third quarter on a ridiculous no-call. When you take two simultaneous helmet-to-helmet uh, hits and don't get called for a targeting, something sketchy. I mean, Indiana got jobbed by the officials, especially with that first fumble by Watt Fillier where the ball did not touch him. Uh... But, I mean, that Indiana offensive line could not block the Penn State defensive line. Yitor Grossmatos got a sack. Uh, Shaka Tony got a sack. The run game for Indiana was completely shut down. And uh, Sean Clifford uh, made up for KJ Hamler missing time by just becoming a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, Penn State won this one 34-27. Indiana scored late. Um... But, yeah, this was – Penn State kind of pulled away for a bit. But, yeah, this ended up just being a really fun game to watch. Uh, shocker, Indiana and another fun game. Yeah, like we said, uh, you know, this is one of my favorite teams to watch in the Big Ten, you know. Indiana is always going to put up points no matter who they're playing, you know, with the exception of the Ohio State game earlier in the season. But, you know, they, they can put up points. They can score quickly, and they showed that against Penn State. But, yeah, the Watt-Fillier injury, K.J. Hamler injury – uh, you definitely don't want to see that. I think both of them suffered some form of a concussion. Uh, I'm not sure about KJ Hamler, uh, but I know Wop did have a concussion indeed. And you hope he can play against Michigan. I mean, that will be a huge loss if they don't have him. Because, honestly, there's really nobody in their secondary, Michigan secondary, that can match up with Wop. you know? Uh, yeah, they have heard Hills fast enough to and uh, Indiana, Indiana's other receivers, you know, Ty Freifogel. Fro, 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 I uh, love that name. Almost yeah. as good as Wap Fillier in terms of name status. Well, they definitely have some unique names at Indiana. But he, <laughs> uh, the back shoulder with him. They got Lamar Jackson's cousin. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, but, yeah, the, it'll be interesting to see if Wap can come back or not. But. All in all, Penn State finally got a pass rush going because it was absolutely non-existent last week against Minnesota. So they they came out ready to play. Uh, like you said, Sean Clifford, uh, he he's a much underrated runner than people would expect. Um, but they also have to be a worry of him kind of running because Ohio State this week they hit different than everybody else in the, in the, uh, in the conference. I'll tell you that, you know, Chase yeah. Young is returning, but we'll get more into that later. But yeah, it's, it was a, it was a nice game. Uh, I expected it to be a close game and that's what it was. And, you know, it was definitely entertaining. One that uh, was not close was certainly not entertaining and neither of us expected it to be a close game was Michigan versus Michigan state. Just an embarrassing display by Michigan state. Uh, Brian Lewerke with two of the worst interceptions <laughs> I've seen in, in a long time. They were meme-worthy interceptions, and I even did so on one of them. Uh, I didn't even bother tweeting at the video of the dump-off pass he overthrew and had intercepted 
at the sideline. He just, he sucks, man. Like, I hate being that negative on one player in particular, but he just sucks. He hamstrings this offense. Um, but enough about Michigan State and their just embarrassing effort and their embarrassing season so far. And God, they're just, they, they make my head hurt. Uh, but how about Michigan? Surprisingly not doing well with the run game that this week. So Shea Patterson had to throw for almost 400 yards. Yeah, I, it, it, it was it was it was a, a sight to see. We've been trashing on him like more than half the season, but I, I really think whatever I think they say he had like an oblique injury or something earlier in the season, and it clearly it hampered him because he he just couldn't throw the ball down the field. But now he is letting that thing go, and he's getting his playmakers involved. This receiving core is finally getting a chance to show who they are. And what they can bring to the table. I mean, you saw Donovan Peoples-Jones finally getting involved. Nico Collins making some big catches down the field. Uh, Tariq Black also making big catches. And uh, the best receiver on the team, in my opinion, Ronnie Bell. He he just continues to impress every year. And the most crazy stat about Ronnie Bell is he doesn't have a single touchdown this season. He, he like leads the team, I believe, in receptions and receiving yards, but has no touchdowns. And... That was one of the most elusive stats I found. Like that's that's pretty crazy to think about that he has no no touchdowns. But that offensive line, you know, they continue to do great things. Um, you know, Bredesen and John Runyon, Cesar Ruiz. Uh, I think they're they're all going to be uh, probably pick day two, day three. Um, all of them have the talent to play at the next level and will be solid pros. Um, and and they they were absolutely dominating Michigan's front seven. Uh, you know, towards the end of the game. You know, Michigan was struggling kind of that first half, but the onslaught came on, and I saw so many pancakes. Uh, they were just absolutely blowing Michigan State's defensive line, who may be one of the best in the Big Ten, just off the ball and completely dominating them in this game. But, yeah, Shea Patterson looked pretty good. I mean, I don't think his draft stock is just going to suddenly boost up, you know, but – you know, you finally we for, we're finally getting what we expected of him coming into the season. This is what we expect from him, and he's going to need to do this uh, this week and next week because they're going to score some points against Indiana, and we already know about the big game in next weekend against Ohio State. So I I want to see this play from him continue. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, they just they just stomped Michigan State. They. Just wow. <laughs> um, yeah. De- Devin, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't even want to talk about this game. Get uh, This next one, uh, even getting ready to talk about this one, uh, the text came on my phone that OG Ananobi got poked in the eye for the second time in a week, and that is more interesting than the UMass versus Northwestern game was. Do we have to talk about this game? No, is, we is don't, because there... all I have in, in the rundown is who cares. It's a, a now two and eight team beating, I believe, a one in ten team. I don't care. 
45-6. to six. Congratulations, Pat Fitzgerald. You got a second win on the season. You don't have to blame your loss on someone else. I'm sure you marched right into the AD's office and demanded a contract extension as a result of your heroic blowout victory over one of the worst defenses in the FBS in like the last decade and a half. I'm really proud of you, Pat. Now, um, go away for a week or so. Uh, I, I don't care about this game. I don't care to talk about this game. The longest bit of this game I could find on YouTube was precisely three and a half minutes. So YouTube didn't even care. The Big Ten Network's highlights of this game, if you can call highlights, were like a minute and 38 seconds. That's how much they care about this game. Yeah, even though our own conference's YouTube channel did not care. Uh, so I don't care, and I'm not going to talk about this game, because why should I? It's UMass, and it's Northwestern, and they both suck, and they both make Rutgers look like Ohio State. Oh, by the way, Rutgers blew out UMass by more. Uh, Moving on. Uh, that's awful. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> Uh, how about Wisconsin and Nebraska? This game was really fun. Uh, it went back and forth for most of the first half. A couple of bad, uh, you know, bad tackling angles opened the game up because uh, Nebraska's defense is still um, spotty. Jonathan Taylor's back. Another 200-yard performance for him. Two more touchdowns. Nebraska's offense is definitely still a work in progress. Uh, yeah, yeah, like. So it's been, we've been talking about this all season. They have the they have the right offense. They just they just don't execute. And it seems like Martinez is literally running for his life every other play, you know. And it, you can just tell he's just not fully healthy. You know, he he's still battling uh, injuries and and trying to make something happen. And that's when you see him turn the ball over. He's trying to do too much. Uh, they they look pretty good in, in that first quarter and half the second quarter. But like you said, the floodgates kind of opened up. And, you know, then Nebraska's defense was on the field for a while. But, yeah, Wisconsin, they have they have some pretty good players defensively. You know, Zach Bond, uh, Chris Orr. Uh, those are two guys that, you know, kind of catch my eye when watching this Wisconsin defense. Um, but yeah, Nebraska, they, they have a chance to, you know, really take a step forward in these last couple of weeks and build some momentum to next year. Cause they, they return a lot of their players, you know, they, they're going to return Wandale Robinson and, uh, Adrian Martinez and, uh, JD Spellman will probably be, uh, leaving probably th this year, but, you know, pretty much all their pieces will be still there. So it should be interesting to see. How this team develops, but yep, Jonathan Taylor had a big day, another 200-yard performance from him, um, and you know we, you know we were pretty much projecting him to go probably in first round, early second um, at this point, and I don't think nothing he does will change his stock or you know make it go up or down. Uh, to yeah, yeah. he's pretty much solidified with where he is. Um, yeah, Wisconsin pulled away; they end up winning with one thirty-seven to twenty-one. It's a really good game. Wisconsin did what they were supposed to. Nebraska just, they're just not quite ready yet. Devin, I'm going to let you talk about this one because I'm not sure how to approach this this game. Like, you can just even read off what I have in the rundown. Uh, just. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rutgers scored 21 points against Ohio State, and the final score was not what either of us predicted. <laughs> You said 60 
63 to 63 to 7, correct? Yeah. I said 87 to 10 because well, I'm a smart ass. Um but no, Rutgers ties the most points Ohio State has given up all season because of course they did. Uh <laughs> because the team that that had scored 24 points in conference play heading into this game, we totally saw putting up three touchdowns on the, like, number two team in the country, right? No? No. No. Well, well the crazy thing is they, they <laughs> actually scored in the first half. Now, granted, Ohio State kind of gave them that score because they must that was their fir- That was the first touchdown Ohio State has given up in the first quarter all season. Were it, that was weak. It took three full months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we knew what the final result was going to be, but oh, they yeah. still beat that ass. But I mean, fifty-six twenty-one. Ohio State slept through this game and won by five touchdowns. But like, man, Rutgers. So let me get this straight: Rutgers loses by forty-one points to Maryland. Maryland gets the just utter snot kicked out of them by Ohio State. And Rutgers loses to the Buckeyes by less. Like, Ohio State really just did not care about this game at all, but they really wanted to beat down Maryland, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, definitely. Well, after last year, they barely beat Maryland, so that was a kind of revenge game for them. Oh, that won last be, year. yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, enough about this game, because, I mean, honestly, besides the final score, there was really nothing interesting in this game. Oh, absolutely not. Like... <laughs> Uh, and lastly, this was easily the kickback on your catch with a cold one game of the week. Minnesota and Iowa. It was a close game like we predicted. We just didn't predict the right team. Iowa wins 23-19. to uh, Iowa's offense actually had a little bit of firepower to it. Turns out that the two dynamic freshmen that they have, the running back Tyler Goodson and the slot receiver Tyrone Tracy Jr., um, they showed up in a big way as Minnesota was chasing them all around the field and couldn't do a damn thing about it. Uh, Minnesota's defense could not tackle whatsoever. Uh, there was a play, I want to say it was even a Nate Stanley scramble. Yeah, it was on like third and two. Yeah, and he broke tackles from Carter Coughlin, Kamal Martin, and Antoine Winfield. They're three on best the players. Same play. Yeah, they're three best defenders on the same play. Like, I think that, and, that pretty much described how the game went for them. And I don't know about you, was was Chris Williamson hurt? Because they focused a lot on Benjamin St. Just, who I had never seen before. And there's probably a good reason for it, because that dude couldn't cover anything. Yeah, I, I I do think they were going after him. I mean, it was pretty obvious. They, they kept yeah, attacking he, him. And, he could not do a thing. Yeah. Uh, and then A.J. Epineza, three sacks in the fourth quarter. So, <laughs> he picked a great week to show up. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. Uh, we've been saying for weeks now we want him to show up. And Chauncey Golston had a sack, I believe, as well, with a couple of pass deflections. They abused the, the gopher offensive tackles. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it, it's, it's kind of a miracle Minnesota even made this a game because the way Iowa was playing, it looked like it was going to be one of the Ohio State game from uh, two years ago where they just completely just destroyed them. And they were wearing all black in that game, too. 
the All Black seems to be Team's kryptonite in Kinnick Stadium, to say the least. Um, but it was – I, I should have known the environment was going to get to Minnesota – uh, their offense was absolutely atrocious the last five minutes of that game. Uh, just how slow they were moving. They wasted two timeouts. Um, you know, they were just taking forever to get the play in. Man, you want to talk about just completely losing their cool. P.J. Fleck comes out on the field and gets a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, and uh, honestly, yeah, one, I wondered one, about that because I, I had the I had the game on mute. Because mm-hmm. um, I was watching it uh, basically live in my living room at that point. Because there was the drop by by Tyler Johnson. By the way, Minnesota's wide receivers struggled with drops. Yeah, which is unlike any like Tyler Johnson is pretty sure handed. Rashad Bateman is extremely short. They both had like easy, easy gimme plays just fall right through their hands. And like I I didn't understand. But yeah, like there was a drop, but there was what looked to be like a, a like a cheap shot taken after the whistle and then there was a flag thrown and then it ended up being Iowa ball and I was confused because I didn't have the volume on but yeah it, it didn't make sense though because there's still part of the play like even though he dropped the ball like shouldn't that have been like you know sportsman like and they get an automatic first down that's why I thought like the rule was on that but then when P.J. Fleck came out, I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be offsetting. So I guess maybe that offset the penalties. I still don't really understand what was supposed to transpire there. You know what I mean? Like, I've been trying to look it up and see, but I really haven't gotten an explanation on why, you know, it was still Iowa's ball if it was a late cheap shot. You know, it'll be, if it was rough in the passer, they would have gave uh, Minnesota the ball still. So is it different when they hit a receiver? You know, I don't know. But Minnesota, they, they had chances to win that game. Uh, and it was a, a toss-up game, just like the game against Penn State last week. And you can tell the, the home field is definitely a factor. This is a young team. They're still learning how to win in a hostile environment. And they definitely struggle to win in that one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Minnesota... They, uh, I, I put in my power rankings article this week. That has been wondering whether that win last week was a fluke. Uh, but moving on, let's get into the preview for this week. Starting off with a game that I again hope the noon game curse you know, is still at bay, and it's Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, starting off, holy crap, Ohio State is favored by 18 points. Yeah, you see, you know, I don't know. I think I feel like that will change before the seat, like the game starts. Uh, that's a lot of points to give a, in a top ten matchup. You know, that is that is a lot of points. I get that Penn State is, you know, on the road. Uh, their offense hasn't looked consistent this year, but eighteen points. Man, that is super high to give Ohio State. Um, this is going to be Ohio State's biggest test this season. Um, and fortunately for them, you know, their two biggest tests this season, Wisconsin and now Penn State, are home games. Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, that's that's way too many points in my opinion. Way too many. 
Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Chase Young is going to be back for this one. Of course he comes back at, uh, you know, for this game, right? Um, but I got a question for you. So that Penn State defensive line that we love so much and is one of the best in the conference against, honestly, Ohio State's offensive line does not impress me. Is this an area where Penn State can maybe gain an advantage? Uh, they have to. They have to have their best game of the season uh, because uh, – Penn State secondary is not that great. And you give Justin Fields a lot of time, somebody's going to be open and someone's going to be exploited. So that pass rush needs to be at an all-time high. They they have to bring pressure early and often. And also, while bringing that pressure, they got to maintain those rush lanes because Justin Fields gets outside of the pocket. Uh, good things usually happen for him. But – that the Penn State defensive line, I, I expect them to come ready to play because if not, this could very well turn into an eighteen point route that mo you know Vegas is picking. But th- this is the one area I think Penn State has the absolute advantage. Their defensive line cannot be blocked by Ohio State's offensive line. I will agree with you. I th- do think Ohio State's line has some holes in it, and because Justin Fields is such a dynamic quarterback, he fills those. You know, he he makes up for those deficiencies because we saw in the Michigan State game against Ohio State that they struggled. You know, in that first quarter, Michigan State was getting to Justin Fields, but then the running game started to really pick up and then, you know, slow down their pass rush and then things started to fall apart. Um, So, yeah, I, I do think this is the one advantage Penn State has for sure in this one. Uh, so who are you picking in this one? Uh, this is going to be the first time I pick against them all season, but I got to pick Ohio State. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping Penn State does is able to pull the upset, but I, I just think Ohio State has just enough to get by Penn State. Uh, I got this one 27-24. Um, I think that Penn State definitely does have the, the pieces on defense to slow down. Uh, the Ohio State like juggernaut of an offense that puts up points without really even feeling like it. Um, but I just don't think that there's enough there to stop um, Ohio State. I think this one is probably going to be 34-21 for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, it's it's pretty much a neck-and-neck neck game uh, at this point. And I don't know. We, we, Penn State's offense is going to have to have the best game of the season, and they just have to hit all the big plays. Like they can't, they can't miss on those deep balls. They can't miss on potential big plays. They can't drop the ball, none of that. They have to have the perfect game on offense. Yeah, for sure. Um, Segwaying into this next game, Minnesota at Northwestern. If there was ever a time for Minnesota to be able to figure it all out, Northwestern has become the new Rutgers and that I feel like maybe teams coming off of um, like bad losses can find their groove and bounce back. Did the Gophers bounce back on defense? Like, because again, they are a very solid defense. They just had a what looks to be an anomaly, a rough game, bad, you know, like a really bad day. They had barely trailed all season 
and then they trailed like the entire game last week. Against yeah. Northwestern, who, I mean, don't look now, but Northwestern has scored 67 points in the last two weeks, Devin. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not about to get me on that bandwagon. Uh, uh, hell no. Not a Hell joke. no. Listen, um, listen. Uh, Northwestern offense is, is literally going to make Minnesota's defense look all-time great. <laughs> Hunter Johnson. They look like the Patriots' defense. Hunter Johnson, Aiden Smith, whoever starts, they're, they're literally going to throw the ball into the belly of Antoine Winfield Jr. <laughs> it's it's going to happen, you know. And Carter Coughlin's probably going to pick up a couple sacks. They're going to look like the team we thought they could be. I mean, they're going to bounce back with a, a nice win. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict the game and say 38-7. to Does it raise any change in your uh, prediction if I said that in the past two games, Northwestern has scored 46% of their points for the season? Nope. <laughs> I could care less. Yeah, this. <laughs> you know what's sad is that Northwestern has still scored less, less points this season than, than Rutgers. <laughs> That's very sad. <laughs> I mean, Rutgers has given up a lot more points, but, like, yeah. Oddly enough, these two teams on defense are very evenly matched. Minnesota's given up 209 points. Northwestern has only given up 235 points. They just suck and can't move the ball on offense whatsoever. Um, yeah, guess what, Northwestern? Uh, we might see Tanner Morgan drop 400 yards on you because he almost did that last week to Iowa. And you ain't no Iowa defense. Um, God, this, this is going to get ugly. Antoine Winfield pick six, anybody? Uh, 45 nothing, and Northwestern can go back to their basement. Well, they never <laughs> even really left the basement. They stayed in the basement. I'm glad they turned the light on in that basement. Don't you just go turn the light off and sit back in your corner. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm sick of talking about this team. I really am. If you couldn't tell from my voice and complete sarcasm, uh, and the just inflection in, in my voice that lets you know just what I really think of this team. And the fact that there are people defending this team is just sickening to me. Um, <laughs> but I'm not bitter at all. Uh, how about Illinois versus Iowa? This one should be fun. I mean, Illinois is on a four-game winning streak still. They, they're at four straight, right? Let me double-check. Illinois is on, yep, four-game winning streak. They're at six and four. You've got Iowa. They are seven and three. Uh, man, these two teams are neck and neck in the Western standings. Not that that really matters because they're not competing with Minnesota and Wisconsin. But, I mean, bragging rights are definitely on the line. You've got an Iowa team coming off of a big win. Illinois has all the momentum in the world and a bye week that they're coming off of. Which team keeps the momentum going? Uh, mm, that's a tough one. Uh, I really like the. I'm really starting to like this Illinois team. You know, uh, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know. I don't know who I'm gonna pick yet, but it's kind of tough because Illinois is playing at Iowa. Um, and that's always a tough place to play, regardless of who they're playing. 
But we could see a bit of a letdown from Iowa. We have seen them really struggle. Uh, they struggled to put away Northwestern a couple weeks ago. Um, so we, we, we could definitely see this. This is a game where maybe Illinois can come out on top. I don't know, man. Um, I'm, I'm just worried about Illinois' offensive line. Can they block that defensive line of Iowa? You know, with Epineza now starting to kind of make his mark and Chauncey Goldston has been playing well all season. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, you know what? I'm going to pick an upset. Ooh. I think Illinois pulls off the upset. I don't know why. I don't have a real reason for doing it. Uh, I got Illinois 20 to 17. See, you had me until there's one thing. It's, it's a game at Kinnick Stadium, and Iowa just does not seem to lose. Even, like... They obviously don't lose the important games at home, as evidenced by last week against Minnesota. Uh, I don't think that they're going to lose to an Illinois team. I don't think that this is another game. Like, Illinois won against Wisconsin because they caught them looking ahead. Iowa isn't looking ahead to anyone. I think they finished with, like, uh, no, they don't have Rutgers. I think it's Maryland that they have next, like, or something like that. They have, like, just, like, an easy game that they should just kind of bowl over. Uh, there's nothing really for them to, to kind of hype themselves up for and not focus on Illinois. I'm taking Iowa in this one. I do think it's going to be uh, low scoring and closely uh, contested. I'm going to say Iowa 21-17. They really like like staying in that like 20 to 24 point range and winning by four points. So that's fair, man. I, I don't know. I, I I haven't got upset right all year uh, and. <laughs> Uh, it probably won't change in this one, but hey, why not go for it? All right. This is another one where I have like absolutely nothing to say. It's Michigan State and Rutgers. You know, for my power rankings article that you can find on whole9sports.com, these are teams 11 and 12 in the power rankings. I am, I mean, Michigan State is just infuriating on a number of levels. I don't know how they can't find a quarterback because Lewerke ain't it. And if Rocky Lombardi was it, we wouldn't be seeing Lewerke. I don't know if they got a third stringer that can maybe throw the ball, whether they'll be able to bring in a freshman next year that can throw the ball. Hell, just turn one of your wide receivers to a quarterback and just see what happens. Red no option offense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Fire D'Antonio, bring in an option offense. And Paul Johnson, baby. <laughs> Yeah, um, God, and then Rutgers is, <laughs> Amen. the only reason Rutgers is 12th is because they lost by less than 59 points to Ohio State, which is literally all I decided to, to, to base that off of. I promised it in the week before, and they did it, so I had to. I'm a man of principle and a man of my word. Uh, I don't care about this game. I think Michigan State... Will somehow find a way to keep this game competitive, because and I don't mean as in Rutgers is going to be up. I mean that like Michigan State, they're going to try to get cute with play calling, and Lewerke will throw four interceptions to Rutgers because of course he will. Uh, give me Michigan State seventeen to six. That's not a bad score. <laughs> 
All right, God, so- can, you, can you imagine in September picking this game and going, yep, Michigan State's only going to beat Rutgers by 11? Oh, definitely not. Dude, if you look on ESPN, there's not even a Vegas betting line on it. Who wants to bet on it? <laughs> uh, nobody, because Michigan State is Michigan State is four and six, and Rutgers is, I believe, two and eight now. Yeah, this is, this is not. I'm not looking forward to this. All right, folks, ring the alarm. Uh, <laughs> we we have a upset alert. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ain't no way now. I'm picking that upset. Uh, I got I got Michigan State winning thirty one seventeen. Uh, I think if Rutgers wins like pulls an upset, then maybe this week because it's not really an upset. I think you should have to buy an article of Rutgers clothing, a shirt, a jersey, a hat. Oh, I don't care. I, I will absolutely do it. <laughs> absolutely, because if if they if they upset Rutgers, the minute the game ends. The AD will fire Mark D'Antoni. <laughs> D'Antonio. As soon as the game ends, like he won't even let him shake hands with the Rutgers coach. He'll he'll come down on the sideline. You're fired. By the way, by the way, last year the Rutgers head coach was a high school head coach. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Yeah. He was a high school coach in New Jersey. So like he, you will have been out coached by a guy that was telling like 16-year-olds how to actually play football a year ago. Man, I, I kind of pray that this game is like a game in like the uh, like the second half and it's like close in the fourth quarter. Oh my God. You Can you imagine how tight Michigan State players will get? The worst team that's been the worst team in the conference the last couple years hasn't had a Big Ten win in so long. And you're the first Big Ten win. Whew. You want you want to talk about? They just need to fire everybody if they lose the Rutgers. Clean house, just completely clean house. Just just don't even come back. Don't even come back next week. We're we're gonna forfeit the rest of the season. That's how that's how bad it would get. Oh yeah, I you know I'm kind of for that now. I'm kind of for that now, but I'm still I'm still gonna pick Michigan State. Uh. Devin, while we've been recording this, I have sent you something about our next game, and that is the Indiana at Michigan. Uh, sorry, Michigan at Indiana game. Uh, man, Shea Patterson, his best game since he was in high school, uh, really must have gotten to him because he he just completely overlooked Indiana entirely. You know, a great win, but we we got one more big one to go. We got our, you know, you know, our eyes are still set on that last one. Uh, we've seen a team overlook an opponent the week before Ohio State. It doesn't and end well. It doesn't end well. That was a better team than Michigan at the time and that, that overlooked it, and it was a worse team than Indiana that did it. This smart? Absolutely not. Uh, you're already getting criticized constantly for underperforming, uh, and now you're coming out and saying that Ohio State game uh, is what you're looking forward to, but you don't play them until 12 days from now. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> like this, this is what coaches talk about, you know, stop looking past your opponent, your current opponent, because then you're going to be looking crazy when that opponent upsets you because you're, you want to look ahead to the, the game that decides your season every year. Um, th- this is like, like we said, this is this is not a game you want to overlook your opponent at all. Uh, it's going to be at Indiana. This is going to be the biggest game of their season uh, at home. You know, their last, I believe it's their, let me check to make sure, but I think this is their last home game of the season. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, they, they're at Purdue next week. Uh, so this this is gonna be this is gonna be their kind of Super Bowl. Uh, they take you down. This is the biggest win in recent school history for them. So they they have a lot going for them. They got the home crowd atmosphere. Uh, their offense is as potent as any in the Big Ten, uh, and your passing defense isn't that great. So you better come out and ball, Shea Patterson. You played like doo doo. You, you play like, you know, trash. Uh, a lot of people are going to be looking back at that quote. And once again, people are going to be calling for uh, Jim Harbaugh's job once again, you know. So they better handle business or otherwise th- this is going to be a, a really long week. And we're going to once again lose the, lose the luster uh, of a big time game. So who are you picking, man? <laughs> Uh, I'm picking Michigan still to win. I mean, I, uh, I I think they'll hopefully today they walk back those statements and, you know, make sure that they have focus on Indiana because, like I just explained, I mean, this, this could be a, a huge blow to them uh, for whatever they're trying to accomplish this year. You know, they still have New Year's Six, a New Year's Six Bowl insight, um, you know, kind of depending on what happens with Penn State and Minnesota, uh, they still have a chance to make a really good bowl game. But you lose to Indiana, you go into the Capital One Bowl. Just, just tell you that straight up. You're going to the Capital One Bowl. Yeah, um, the Indiana may take your place in that Capital One Bowl. Yeah, so you're, you're going to go to a game you don't want to be at. So uh, I got Michigan winning this one. Uh, let's see. Let me think. I'll take Michigan to win 35-28. Devin, I want you to give me a drum roll, buddy. I'm amazed he actually did. but uh, <laughs> um, We've seen this before, and we're going to see it again because I am picking Indiana for the upset. Um, I don't think Michigan can can keep up score for score. I think that if Watt Philly is able to play, then this game is is an easy Indiana victory. Um, I think that the defensive line may not be able to contain Stevie Scott as well as Penn State did. Um, I have concerns about Indiana's defense, but I've had concerns about their defense all season. I have had concerns about Michigan's offense most of the season. If their run game isn't there and Shea Patterson reverts back to normal Shea Patterson and plays like a pumpkin or a potato, if you really want to you know, go with uh, Jim Harbaugh's um, metaphor that he dropped on Monday. By the way, that also factors into this decision. I don't know what the hell he was talking about with that potato <laughs> metaphor. Uh, but, yeah. 
you know what? When you factor in the inconsistency with the running game, the fact that Shea Patterson has never had a game like he did last week, so regression is almost inevitable, and the potato metaphor, I'm going Indiana 31-27. Which would mean that once again, Ohio State and Michigan is a complete non-factor, uninteresting game the way it's been for the last four years. Shocking. <laughs> I just really wanted to make sure that that's, that, that, that that's how we have to talk about that game next week as well. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, yeah, that potato metaphor, just something about planting potatoes and eating potato salad like next week. It made no sense. It was Well, because you can get a potato now and still make potato salad on the same day. <laughs> That was very idiotic. <laughs> but he wanted to talk about planting potatoes. Like, who plants potatoes? Just Harbaugh, Harbaugh, just stick to, like... Well, just just say your team is improving and keep it moving, man. Yeah, stick to khakis and sleepovers, man. Don't try to get too deep with your metaphors. Um, God. Yeah, you know what? I I literally, when we, I was looking at the, at the at the schedule, and then I saw that quote, went, nope, I have to pick Indiana. On the, I'm a man of principles and integrity, and just screw that potato metaphor. Um, Nebraska and Maryland. I mean, Nebraska's season is on the line. They're sitting at four and six. A loss would knock them out. Man, there are a lot of teams fighting for bowl eligibility this week uh, in the conference. Maryland's already done. Maryland's been done since like week four. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Nebraska keep their season alive another week. Yeah, I got Nebraska win this game. Uh, Maryland, they're pretty much lifeless at this point. They're they're literally on life support. But Devin, they're coming off of a bye week. <laughs> what do they do, man? Like get get a a brand new quarterback? Uh, do they get you know a brand new offensive line? Because their offensive uh, line is defense second garbage, tackle. absolutely terrible. Uh, man. Yeah, I got Nebraska. I'm going to go ahead and pick this one because I really don't want to talk much about this. Uh, Nebraska wins this one 34-17. to 17. Uh, It's going to be higher scoring than that. Neither of these teams can play defense. Um, was it was it Purdue in, in Maryland that had like the shootout? Or was that a blowout? I can't remember. It was so many weeks ago. <laughs> it was starting to so run many together. weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Some of, some of these bad. We had so much bad football for weeks on end. Now we get like a couple of good, couple of good weeks in a row. We're like, oh god, what was that game like? It's like it was like a month ago, but we can't remember anything because we just had so many bad weeks since we've been recording. Uh, the Purdue game. No, they got blown out by by Purdue. Never mind. Um, they got blown out by Purdue, like missing all of their best players. Uh, yeah, this Maryland team sucks. Uh, they're they're about to fall three and eight. Spoiler alert. Uh, but Nebraska's defense ain't much better. 45-28. And then lastly, Devin, we've got uh, Purdue at Wisconsin. Um, it's in Wisconsin, which makes me really doubt that Purdue's going to be able to pull the upset. Looking at Purdue's schedule now, they have a game at Camp Randall this this weekend and then at home against Indiana. 
four and eight is looking a lot more likely than six and six is, which is a shame because Jeff Brom has done just such a good job this year. Um, but we've seen Wisconsin overlook opponents. That's how they ended up in the fiasco with Illinois anyways, because they were looking ahead to Ohio State. They have Minnesota on the tap next week. Does lightning strike twice, Devin? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, Purdue is really going to have a hard time blocking Wisconsin's front seven. And Purdue is down to their third-string quarterback. I mean... Also true. It's <laughs> You want to talk about the, the worst... Like injury filled season you've ever seen. Uh, I entered. Everybody 20, got hurt. Everybody I, got hurt for them. I give you the 2019 Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, I really want to see them finish five and seven or even six and six at best. Uh, I think at this point, probably not. And I think, honestly, not having them in a bowl game is probably uh, the best for them and whoever they're playing because. Third string quarterback, my God, man. I mean, it, that's tough enough as it is. You know, you got a lot of defensive stars missing. Uh, I think Wisconsin goes ahead, goes ahead and pulls this pulls this one off. Uh, I think they win uh, something like twenty eight to twenty. I think Purdue is still able to put up some points, uh, but I think they'll score late. I think the game will be already in hand uh, in, into the fourth quarter. Purdue will maybe get a touchdown or two in kind of garbage time and kind of wrap it up yeah man i'm just i'm not i'm not seeing a an upset coming um i think that wisconsin's defense is going to be able to slow down a very very beaten down weekend purdue offense this one may not be pretty man i think this could be like a 27 to 6 game yeah i could i could definitely see it i mean it's uh it's just tough sledding right now for Purdue. I mean, I want to pick them to win, but, man, they, they really need to, to play out of their minds and then some, you know, cause, cause a ton of turnovers. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for me this week. But uh, as mentioned earlier, we have Devin's uh, interview with uh, Malik, so you guys should stay tuned and check that out. So for me, that's going to be it. Uh, Devin, take it away with Malik. And welcome back to the Big Shots Podcast. I am your co-host, Devin Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. And I got a special guest with me today. Uh, I'm definitely excited about this guest. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Uh, how you doing, everybody? My name is Malik Obi. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at O-B-E-E, the number one N-E. And I write, uh, I cover the Raiders for uh, full press coverage, and I covered and cover HBCU football, as well as I'll be covering the D.C. Defenders uh, of the XL. So I'm pretty much always writing about football. Um, I have a, a podcast with my Larry Biggs, the Black Tuesday podcast, which is available on iTunes. Um, and, you know, pretty much football is everything for me. This is a, a great opportunity to talk more football with the draft up. I'm really happy that Devin, and I, I'm really happy Devin invited me to be on today. Um, and I, and I, we're getting into it about Big Ten football. Yeah, so as you guys know, we talk about Big Ten football, uh, me and uh, Mike Ernition. Uh, but, you know, today, me, you, Malik, we're going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, we both know we have you have one particular prospect in mind that, you know, has really caught your eye and somebody that you really love in a draft. And, uh, it definitely had to be Minnesota's Tyler Johnson. Uh, just tell me, what do you like about him most? So, 
when I look at Tyler Johnson, I see glimpses of Devontae Adams, Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams. Um, I just, you know, I like it. Overall, the overall package of Tyler Johnson, what I like. I mean, I, you know, then I go to the game tape. I want to know who they are as a person. And Tyler Johnson comes from Minnesota, uh, Minnesota area, um, in inner city Minnesota. And uh, he decided to go to, he decided to go to his local high school. Um, the school only had like 200 and something uh you know, students enrolled. They were really bad at sports. Um, and he came in and said, I'm going to be a, a part of the teaching culture. I'm going to help lead the way to change the culture here. And in his four years, there, he built, built the athletic program as a whole up to the point where not only did they go to a, a state championship in basketball, he helped him win a many, many state championship in football. He's uh, a two-sport guy. He's a great athlete. Uh, and then he says, "Hey, I'm going to stay home, do the same thing for the, for the Gophers." Uh, he goes to Minnesota. They're, they, you know, they're having an electrifying year this year. He's having a great year. I mean, he's and 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 the thing is that he just checks all the boxes for me in terms of the type of receiver that I like. Um, and and in terms of being a game changer, and in terms of being a a, a team player, somebody that any team can build around or to come in right away and be a contributor to play a team that's on the brink of being a playoff team or a team and or help a team that can uh, be a champion. Um, so, you know, when I look at his intangibles, I mean, he, he has the footwork, he has the athleticism. I mean, he's, you know, he's dangerous. Contested catches. I mean, he has hands. I mean, he's very physical. He, he's, he's, he's emphatic about run blocking. I mean, I like his whole game, and I think he's severely underrated in his draft class. And then not only that, I mean, the, the crazy thing is I don't even think he's the best wide receiver on his team. I think Rashad Bateman, who isn't, who isn't draft eligible, is the best player on the team. But, you know, Johnson is... He's a selfish player, and he wants to do what's best for Minnesota to win. And I think that translates to the next level. I mean, I would love to see him, ideally, especially with the Raiders being, you know, so deprived at the wide receiver position. I'd love to see him um, in Vegas. Uh, I think he'd be a perfect fit for Oakland, John Gruden's offense. Uh, well, Vegas and John Gruden's offense. I just overall like his game a lot. Yeah, he's definitely a game changer. Uh, you, we saw in the game against Iowa on, over the weekend, he made several big catches. He took a big shot. Um, with a probably about 20, 30 yard gain uh, down the middle of the field. We saw him catch an over the shoulder pass, uh, kind of a fade route. Um, but if, if there's something that uh, he can improve on, what would you like to see kind of some improvements for him to really become a star at the next level? I would have to say, you know, one thing about him is that he, he's a fighter. He fights, for, he fights for every catch, contested catches. You know, free releases, he, you know, if you if he has a free release, he's going to be reliable to get you to third down or whatever. Um, he had the most, uh, he had the most receptions uh, of any any wide receiver in the country in the fourth quarter last year. But my issue with him is what reminds me of like a Stefan Diggs type of guy is that he makes some really, really difficult catches. But those concentration catches, the very simple ones, he has a tendency to drop them. I, you know, I kind of have a thing about receivers that make difficult catches but drop the easy one. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, any catch is easy, say, you know, not being a couch gym, but they, they, it is frustrating sometimes that he does not. I mean, he comes through in a clutch, but you got to be consistent at the next level, you know, as much as possible. So I would like to see him in those on those on those intermediate catches and should be a little bit with his hands uh now kind of enough about tyler johnson but with you being a raiders writer and you know they're starting they're in oakland this year but we'll be in las vegas next year uh mm -hmm. what are some other prospects that in the big 10 uh you want to see the raiders maybe look at or uh, you, you know 
bring in. They don't mm-hmm. draft or anything like that. But who else do you have an eye on? Well, the, I'll be honest with you. There's plenty. I mean, the Big Ten to me this year is stacked in terms of talent. And there are some guys that I really feel like fit the Raiders. Now, the thing about the Raiders uh, is that they're in a playoff hunt, but they are a very, very young team. I mean, I think the Raiders fans were looking at the fact, you know, they went from being one of the oldest teams last year to one of the youngest teams this year. They are showing that they can possibly put together a winning team in Vegas, but they certainly need more pieces. So starting at the top, I mean, obviously a guy that I would love to see in Oakland or any team. I think he comes in and makes an impact day one is Chase Young. I, I just don't think that he'll fall to the Raiders, so I won't spend too much time on him. Or will I spend too much time on Jeff Okuda, who I don't believe will be uh, – <clears throat> who I don't – I mean, excuse me, not Jeff Okuda. Uh, Yator Gross Matos, because I don't believe that he the Raiders will go that high in terms of uh, in terms of draft picks uh, for his rusher because of how Max Crosby and come along. The first one to a little bit more time because playing all over the D line, but I think they've been a little while for him off the side. Now a guy that I really like to like, I know him as a Um so I would say uh, I would I would definitely Lamar Jackson and Caleb Mullen or when they go out in the main corner like Ken Fuller in a free agency. You put a guy like uh, Lamar Jackson out there and, and, and allow him to just play him as a man corner and he can develop into a lockdown corner. Raiders had two lockdown corners in a very, very, very time. So that's might be really interesting in, in, in considering. Another one would definitely be like I said, you know, of course Tyler Johnson. Uh <clears throat> Another one would um, uh, possibly be uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. The Raiders have, oh, man, um, Dwayne Harris has just been put on the IR, so he's out. Trevor Davis, who they got for Packers, has really, really struggled in terms of special teams. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones gives them another guy that can uh, play in the slot and a special teams threat. I I would like to see him in the later rounds, possibly. Um, K.J. Hamler, I mean, I think that he has some issues with drops at times, but the Raiders need guys that can create an open field. Um, Hunter Renfro is coming along really, really nicely. He's a great, uh, well, he's a really good short short yardage, intermediate uh, yardage guy. You know, he's very clutch on third downs, but I want somebody that's that's out there in the slot, even the rotation slot receiver that can that can really take the top off the defense. And I'm looking at Hamler. Um, another guy that I really, really like is uh, Olawole Batiku from Illinois, a former USC transfer. He was, uh, you know, he was somebody that I, I kind of discovered later in the year. I, saw, you know, I watched a little bit at USC, but... I feel like he's come along really, really well this year, and I would like to see him in Oakland because, well, Vegas, because I think that he could be a good rotation guy with Farrell. Um, another thing that the Raiders are going through is that they're, they're, they got guys like Vincent Mayoa, who has seven sacks, that's about, hit, about to hit free agency. He's a free agent. Uh, Josh Morrow is a free agent. So they have they have some holes that they need to fill. And then, of course, the, the biggest issue for them is the linebacker position. Um, the Raiders have historically been bad at linebacker. I mean, historic historically. So uh, over the last you know twenty years, you can maybe count two to three decent inside linebackers that they've had. Um, so I think that they'll, that's something that they'll definitely be looking at in this draft. Uh, maybe later you go get go look for a guy like Gaziano. Um, um, you know, there are there are a couple of guys that I, I would really look at at the linebacker position. Outside linebacker, I'm, I'm, or slash D end. A guy that I can't believe I didn't mention earlier, but Shaka Tony from Penn State. Uh, really like Shaka Tony's game. I think that in the system with Paul Gunther, he could develop into a really good outside linebacker. I think you put on a little, put him on, put him on a little, little on him, and he and he would really suck. Yeah, like Kenny, Kenny would, would like Michigan and challenge uh, the rotational pass rusher. Um, 
the other guys in this division that I feel like that can really come and help me. Um, you got like Lee another linebacker that I'm looking at. Especially linebackers. I mean, right now they just signed Preston Brown. Um, they really have one linebacker on the team in Nick Morrow that can actually cover as in being a new age linebacker. Aside from that, it's a lot of run stoppers, and you can't really get excited about that because there's so many guys that can cover the field. I mean, there's so many guys that can cover the backfield in terms of being a tackler, but when it comes to coverage, not only are we getting, uh, you know, more uh, tight end involvement and a lot more slot receivers, uh, out, out boundary receivers coming in the slot, but we're getting more mobile quarterbacks. We need, you know, the Raiders especially need sideline to sideline side to sideline linebackers, and they just don't have any. Uh, O-line is another interesting position, for, uh, you know, position for me because I feel like you got to look at the future. You got a guy like... Uh, Rodney Hudson, who's a pro bowler, uh, going to retire as one of the, the most beloved Raiders of all time, but he's getting older. Um, and then you got Incognito, who's a free agent. I'm pretty sure that they'll give him an opportunity to re-sign and extend him. But if they don't, I would love to look at a guy like Tyler Bedaz. Um, I, I just think that a lot of the prospects that I really, really like in this draft are in the, are in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Michigan has a couple of guys I really like. And then you got guys like Zach Vaughn from Wisconsin. The talent is throughout the division. And and I just want to say this. I think that even if the Raiders do find a way into the wild card this year, that they are in a position to go BPA at any position, um, you know, with the exception of, of running back. So I think that they can definitely find some talent in the division of the Big Ten. Yeah, you kind of, you you touched on a couple names that have kind of been like my underrated like prospects. You know, what I mean, like I've been a p- big proponent of Lamar Jackson as a corner. Uh, I think a lot of people don't even recognize since Nebraska isn't what we thought they would be this year. But he's like a long, lengthy corner that can cover all over the field. Uh, Olawale Batiku as uh, someone that I jumped like on immediately the start of the season. He, you know, he's a great. You know, edge rusher, and like you were saying, he'd be a great rotation guy. Uh, I think, you know, early in his career, he'll probably be uh, probably a third down rusher as a specialty because he does struggle stopping the run. Um, And then, you know, some of the other names you named as well, you know, Donovan um, Peoples-Jones, Kenny Willekes as well. I think that's someone – he just feels like a Raiders player to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I can imagine him and Max Crosby and him like – on third downs, rushing a passer, uh, and you know they kind of they kind of remind me of each other a little bit. Uh, I would say Kenny yeah. is is maybe a little bit faster, but Max Crosby has been a monster for the Raiders. I got I got I got I to gotta mention one more player before I forget. I definitely yeah, go ahead. I've, I've really 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 been advocating for. I don't know if he'll come out because he has eligibility left. But Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. is another guy that I really really feel like the Raiders could use. The Raiders have been using uh, uh, Lamarcus Joyner as a nickel cornerback, and just you know, he has he has a really big assignment for the Raiders. He's all over the field. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. He's not that big, but he is, he has a knack for being around the ball, you know. And you know, he he's he has that NFL lineage. His dad was a great player. He's good in open field tackling. He's always around the ball. 
the Raiders, the secondary is really questionable right now, and I think that that's going to be an issue if they do make a, a, a run to get into the playoffs, and they'll be exposed for that, and, they'll, and that's something that they're going to build on. But like I said, this team is really young. I saw a really good quote today that someone said they're built for Vegas, but they're playing for Oakland. I think the Raiders are giving their all to you know going out with a bang in Oakland, but this team is, is being put in position to succeed in Vegas. So with that being said, I think that they can – you know, there's a lot of guys in this in this draft that will help them to be in a position to thrive in Oakland. And, 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 and I mean, I'll be honest with you, about 20 of those guys are in this division, in this conference. Excuse me. Yeah. And, you know, kind of leading into like, you know, kind of, you know, kind of the later part of this kind of segment. But uh, Mike Kernition, he wants to know who are your underrated prospects and overrated prospects. And it doesn't have to be, you know, specifically for. Um, you know, for the Raiders that, you know, players are looking for the Raiders, but, you know, mm-hmm. just the, maybe the, the mod drafts you've seen, the big boards, like who are your underrated Big Ten players um, and then your uh, overrated Big Ten prospects? <sighs> okay, so I'd like, like I said earlier, definitely underrated would have to be Lamar Jackson. I think that he has his struggles at times. Don't get me wrong. I think he has his struggles at times, but I think that for a big corner, I mean, the guy is 6'2". He's like 210, 215. He's a bigger corner, but he can hold his own out there on the field. And I think that in the right system, he can really thrive. Uh, I mean, he's, I think he's going to be somebody that that's going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to baby him along a little bit. But I, I feel like that he can be... He can be a nice outside corner at the league in the, in the league at the next level in a, you know a two three year span. Giving him some time, just don't throw him into the fire. Everybody's not ready. His cornerback is probably in my in my opinion the hardest position to play. I don't think that everybody's ready to be thrown to the wolves immediately. And and, and a good franchise understands that. Um, another another guy that I would have to say is I don't know if I want to. I don't even know if I want to say he's underrated, but. Uh, do I want to? I don't know if I want. I want to say that he's underrated because I don't want to sound biased because he is from the home team, um, you know. But Antoine Brooks is a is a guy that I feel like that. I, I you know to be honest with you, I look at Antoine Brooks and I say he's going to be a Patriot. I mean, I think that this somebody a guy that certain guys like even with Chase Winovich, I just looked at him and I said, man, he's going to be a Patriot. I just, he just, it's just, that's a team that appreciates guys like this and guys that really shouldn't be under the radar. And then they come out and, and prove to people that they should have been taken more seriously. Um, so Brooks is another one. I, I, I mean, um, another under, underrated guy, in my opinion, uh, would be, uh, Joe, Joe Bashi. Uh, I think that in the right system, he can be he can be a, a really solid uh, Joe Schobert type of player. I'm not comparing them because of their skin color, but I just feel like that he has, you know, he has that that pension for being around the ball. I think that you know if he really needs to, he can he can make some plays and coverage, you know, every once in a while. But I think Bocce has the you know I think he has that motor. And I think he has the instinct for being around the ball to have a long NFL career. Um, overrated? Hmm. Overrated, I would have to say. Overrated. Oh, man. I would have to say, and, and people might not like this, <laughs> but I would have to say AJ Epinesa. I just think that AJ is, 
going to take a little bit longer to, to develop than people think at the next level. And this, this is my opinion. I know he's very high rated. And I think that, and, I, and let me say this, I'm not changing my tune. You can go back and look at the tweets or whatever, or articles and stuff. I think that he's one of the best edge rushers in this class. I truly think that. But I think that at the next level, some of the things that he's doing now is not going to be so easy. And a lot of a lot of guys off the edge hit that wall, you know, that roadblock when they get to the NFL of being able to dominate with ease in the run and in the in the passing and the run game. And 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 they they're so good at getting getting by with you know the get the tools that they've been using that they've handicapped themselves and not really adapted and and, and developed more moves. And then it takes them a long Longer time to process in the NFL because they didn't work on that skill set. Um, they just use what you know they were one trick ponies in a sense. Um, I think that Epinesa can eventually develop into a really good uh, edge rusher, but I think that at this point I'm a little concerned with him coming out immediately. I don't. I think that he's going to be taken a little bit too high, um, and I, I think that the expectations will be for him will be a little bit higher than they should be. Another guy that I think is just a tad bit. Matter of fact, one more underrated guy. He's kind of, I think that as a whole, the running class has kind of like went a little bit under the radar because everybody's looking at receivers. And, you know, I, I think that J.K. Dobbins is kind of like, in a sense, become a little bit underrated. You know, I think that J.K. last year, and you know, he, he, he looked like a guy that, you know, could have been one of the, you know, if not number one, number two running backs in the class i think that people have kind of like uh you know forgot about him a little bit he's been a little bit overlooked and i know that when you're playing with the best player in the in the country and chase young you know the focus goes on him and then you know fields has come along and stuff like that but this guy's he's he's good man and and i and i think that in the right system this draft is because there's so much uh promise at so many other positions this draft, I think that a lot of running backs are going to be, you know, we're going to look back and say, man, he dropped, he fell to where? You know, I th- and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I look at Dobbins and I say, okay, he's going to be a chief. I think that he'll, I think he'll end up in Kansas City and I think he'll have a really good career. And as a Raiders writer, that's something that I think that a lot of people will be upset at. I think the Chiefs are going to come away with a, a really good uh, running back in this draft. And, and I really think it's going to be Dobbins. Um, and uh, overrated, one more overrated person. Uh, I would have. I don't. I don't know how high he's rated by many. Um, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good. Um, but overall, this tight end class has been a little bit uh, overlooked. So, but I. I don't know how high he's being rated by many. But in my opinion, he's a. He's a. He's. He's. Uh. You know, he's got a little ways to go, and that's. And that's Hopkins. Uh. Yeah, Bryson Hopkins. I think that Bryson Hopkins can be really good at the next level over time. You know, let me say this. Let me just put a disclaimer out there. I think that when I say these things, overrated, underrated, I'm looking at over the course of their careers. Because a lot of people in in this day and age, we look at, you know, a lot of people are looking at immediate. They want guys to come out and be immediately great. We kind of get spoiled by the rookies that just come out and just dominate. I mean, you know, there are guys that come out as rookies and they're, they're just, man, they, 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 they just they just make our jaws drop. But the reality is most NFL players take a little while to develop, no matter the position. You know, so that being said, it's like, I, you know, I think that uh, Bryson Hopkins is going to be a, a, a solid tight end in the league. But I think that he's going to need a little time. 
and he has to be in the right position. Now, and to me, in my opinion, we are at a time in the league where there are some pretty solid tight ends, and a lot of a lot of guys on these rosters are being overlooked because there's a lot more uh, athletic tight ends in the league than in years past, and a lot of guys are just rotting on the roster that probably be could, could help if they were put in position to. So you know, Hopkins has to land in my in my opinion, he has to land in the right position, and because of the fact that the tight ends are really uh, tight ends are really uh, you know considered as average or above average for the most part with this class um i think that he he would be one of the guys that might have been taken a little too high because of the fact that the class overall is not that good it's really top heavy in terms of tight end so you know we'll see how that works out but i just think he's gonna need a little bit of time yeah i can uh definitely see kind of the both sides of that uh like you said bryson hopkins uh, I think he definitely would need to improve as a blocker. And it really, like you said, depends on what team uses him and uses his skill sets uh, well. You know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, kind of Evan Ingram out of college. He wasn't exactly mm-hmm. the biggest guy. Uh, and he wasn't like an inline blocker, like a tr- traditional tight end. And I think, I ca- you know, Hopkins reminds me of that. He's like a bigger receiver kind of type of guy. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think the the list overall is pretty solid as well. Um, and like I said, you touched on a lot of players that, you know, kind of fall under the radar for me. And like for J.K. Dobbins, I can definitely see him being flying under the radar. I mean, a lot of people talk about Jonathan Taylor, you know, DeAndre Swift, uh, guys like that. So, you know, it's interesting that you were able to you know, kind of talk about that and you know, point out those particular guys. All right, Malik, uh, kind of question here. So what games will you be watching this upcoming or what kind of just will you be looking at? Uh, you kind of have your eye on this week. All right. So this week, I think we have a lot of games um, to watch uh, in terms of matchups. So you got uh, Saturday, you got Illinois and Iowa. Uh, like we just said, uh, uh, takes on, Batiku, excuse me, takes on Iowa. You know, we already know Iowa has studs on their offensive line. Alaric Jackson, and you got uh, Tristan Wirth. Um And, and, and Batiku is a guy that is going to be trying to up his draft stock. So going against that O-line and having a big game, I mean, that that, that really can do dividends for his draft stock. Um, I, I like I like a, I like the uh, I really like uh, Illinois defense overall. I think that they're putting together a, a solid uh, defensive front, and um, in, in in the future they're gonna they have an opportunity to really grow in terms of the, in terms of the division. Um, Michigan State at Rutgers. Just looking at Kenny Willekes, like just basically looking at you know how that defense can you know go against Rutgers. Um, I think that's that's an easy win. But uh, Minnesota, you know, every week looking at my guy Tyler Johnson. Um, I, I really, like I said, I I, I I really love his game, and I, and I think that what I, what I really like is that I feel like that he's like I said, he, I feel like he's willing. They've got the guys to buy in to the fact that they can really, they really deserve a, a playoff shot this year in their eyes. And uh, just looking at how they can come in there against Northwestern and, and and really make a statement. And 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 I think that I'm just looking at to see Tyler Johnson put on another stellar performance that shows people why he should be get, be projected as a first round player. Um, which I think he should be. Um, in my eyes, I'm hoping that he isn't because I would love to see him fall to the Raiders. And I, I 100% think that with their three draft picks in the third round, the Raiders will trade back into the second. And a guy like Johnson would be perfect for Oakland. I mean, well, Vegas. So 
Um, yeah, but Penn State, obviously the big, uh, obviously the big, big, the big, big ten matchup. Excuse me, is Ohio State versus Penn State. Um, you know, Hamler going against those o- o- Ohio State corners uh, is going to do dividends for his draft stock. He, you know, he can he can really help himself getting off. Uh, you know, whether it's outside or inside against Wade and, and all those guys. Um, you know, like I said, Shaka Tony is another guy that I'm really, really like uh, a, 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 a third rounder, or whatever that I think that can really come back, come in and impact uh, Oakland's defense as a rotational guy, play or play him outside um, as outside linebacker, let him drop in the coverage. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that 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 game is going to you know do dividends for draft stock of both sides. Um, Michigan, Indiana. Uh, you know, I pretty much listen. I'm going to watch all the Big Ten games. Um, Michigan and Indiana, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, uh, Khalid Hudson. I, I can't believe I forgot him. Um, uh, Lavert Hill, all of those guys at Michigan, I think that they can do some dividends to up their draft stock, just showing consistency. Um, Nebraska at Maryland, like I said, Lamar Jackson, Antoine Brooks, uh, who I feel like would really, really be solid in, in, in Oakland. Uh, well, Vegas. I'm talking, I'm so used to saying that, but really would be solid in Vegas. Um, yeah, and then Purdue at Wisconsin, you know, it's Jonathan Taylor's show. That offensive line at Wisconsin, they got some studs in there that's gonna go in, that's gonna go to the next level and produce. Um, and Purdue, you know, you know what they got coming in the future. But they 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 are in the midst of figuring this thing out and turning it around for for the next three to five, uh, next three to five years. And, and I think that they become a, a serious somebody a, a team that needs to be taken serious in the division. But overall, I got about twenty prospects in the Big Ten that I really really like, especially for the Raiders. But just overall, um, you know, like I said, some most of them I feel like fits with other teams. But some of these guys really come in um, and, and, and impact the Raiders and, and, and allow them to be taken serious as a contender in the AFC West for years to come, especially when they get to Vegas. So, you know, with that being said, I'll I'll definitely be tuning in the Big Ten football. It's a lot of good matchups this week, uh, especially player-to-player matchups. And then you got a couple good games. Penn State and Ohio State are both top ten teams. Um, Ohio State is number two. Penn State is number nine. You know, uh, Minnesota, they need this win to prove that they they need to be taken serious and that they should be a, a playoff team. I don't think they'll get in of course, but they, I think they need to be, you know, taken serious and, and look at look at the program that they are building. Um, so I think this would be a really, really good weekend for Big Ten football. And uh, kind of, you know, kind of kind of wrapping it up, is there any final thoughts you want to, you know, say? Um, I know you, you also said that you cover HBCU. So are there any mm-hmm. players that, you know, maybe the listeners should go ahead and take a look at, you know, for their NFL teams? Uh, just a mm-hmm. few names you, you want to drop? Definitely. Um, I, I, I gotta, I gotta show a little bit of bias because, um, my school, I'm be honest with you, we haven't had that many NFL players drafted, um, in more, uh, my alma mater, Morgan state. So when you get a guy that can come in and, 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 and possibly go to the NFL and, and has a chance to make a roster, you got to shout him out. So that's why I receive him Manassa belly. Um, he had a great showing against army and he's been, he's been balling out all year. Um, Manassa belly, from Morgan State wide receiver, uh, Mac McCain. I don't know if he's going to come out, but, man, everybody talks about him. Phil Steele, all these guys, FCS All-American, cornerback. Uh, if he comes out, I think that he has a chance to be drafted for sure. 
Um, Max Crosby is a really good player. Uh, excuse me, Mac McCain, sorry, is a really good player. Uh, Elijah Bell, wide receiver from North Carolina, and T. Uh, I mean, there, there's some guys. Dewanye Tucker from uh, Prairie View A&M. Marquise Ford, edge rusher from uh, Bethune-Cookman. He was a Rutgers uh, transfer. There's a lot of guys that I feel like that. They they have opportunities to, to come into the, uh, the league this year and make something happen. Um, if they if given the opportunity, we've seen we've seen the evidence throughout the league that HB, HBCU players have made impacts, uh, namely the one that won Rookie of the Year last year and Darius Leonard, uh, you know, uh, Teron Armstead, Tariq Owen, uh, Cohen, excuse me, Javon Hargrave, the list goes on and on. Antoine Bethea, there's plenty that you can name throughout the league right now. So. With that being said, like I said, uh, the HBCU talent, HBCU football means a lot to me. I mean, you know, we got the greatest, arguably the greatest wide receiver ever in Jerry Rice and a list of other Hall of Famers I can name. So it means a lot to me. And uh, I really like the level of talent that's that's coming through the HBCU pipeline to the NFL. And I, I really want to just see that continue to grow. So I really try to push hard to, to introduce uh, uh, to the world to these guys and using my platform and try to promote them and, and, and show the talent is there. All right, man. Well, thank you, Malik, for joining me today uh, on the Big Shots podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Let the people know again where they can follow you at. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at O-B-E-E-1, O-B-1. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at OB1. All year on Twitter, uh, you know, I'm, I'm year-round doing my tweets and videos and breakdowns and stuff and then you can read me on uh full press coverage and i and i got and i got a couple other sites that i'll be working for um and and doing my thing for so just just you know i I really appreciate uh the opportunity to be on here and uh, thank everybody for listening and thank you for having me yep once again uh go check out his work uh make sure to go check out whole nine sports on twitter as well uh whole nine sports.com and of course the big shots podcast uh tune in next week and Me and Mike Spencer will be back on it again. And uh, thanks for another great episode. Uh, We'll see you guys next week.